subject today, prayer that moves God. Prayer that moves God. There's all kind of prayers you can pray. But if you ever need something to move, you need to know the keys to praying prayer that moves God. First, prayer itself. Prayer itself is a fascinating idea. Prayer is the ability to stand in the temporal and yet speak into the eternal. We speak our prayers on earth and yet they are heard in heaven. And that's flabbergasting to me. When you think about God and the scope of all of his responsibilities, all of the things that he has to oversee. I know he's your God. I understand that he's your personal God. I want you to understand that he's your personal God. But you also have to understand that God is involved with people other than you. In fact, there are people that don't agree with you theologically. They don't believe the way you do. And yet they call on God and he deals with them too. Think of God for a minute from this perspective. Think about God being God in his office of being God. You know, like I'm Jason, but I also stand in the office of being a pastor. Okay. Uh, Think about the office of God being God. Since he is the only God, all the God stuff, it's all up to him. It's a, it's a poor analogy, but let me give it to you. Talking about an office. Uh, there are people that love President Joe Biden. They love his policies. They love the way he walks. They love the way he talks. They just love them some Joe Biden. And he is their president, you know. There are also people that cannot stand Joe Biden. They hate the way he talks, hate his policies, hate everything about him. But love him or hate him, this morning, he is the president of the United States because he is in office. Similar with God. God is God over the whole world. God is God over the people that agree with him. God is God over the people that disagree with him. Not believing in him does not make him any less God. Not liking him doesn't make him any less God. He is God over all. He's God over the Christians. He's God over the Jews. He's God over the Muslims. He's God over the atheists. He's God over it all. Ezekiel 18.4, God said, all souls are mine. Look at your neighbor and help him understand what all means. All means all. All souls are mine. Psalm 24, 1 says, the earth is the Lord's and the fullness thereof, the world and they that dwell therein. We all belong to him. Now, I'm not saying that everybody is saved. The Bible says many people will be judged by God and they will go to hell. But that proves the point. 
because God would not be just in judging anyone and condemning them to hell if they did not first belong to him. But because we all belong to him, he can judge us according to his own word and his standard. And the only reason he can do it is because we are all his. He's God over the whole earth, and he's God over all of heaven. He is even God over all of hell. Did you know that the book of Job teaches that Satan had to take himself a stroll up to heaven, walk into the courtroom, and give God an account of where he had been and what he had been doing? Because he's not just God in heaven, and he's not just God on earth. He's even God over hell. He's God over the aquatic kingdom. You're a mighty God. He's God over the aquatic kingdom. When you go up under the sea, it's almost like you're going into a different world. The laws change. Gravity changes. There's all types of species under the sea, some that we're still discovering. And when we discover a new species under the sea, he'll have already been God over that species. He's God of the aquatic kingdom. He's God of the animal kingdom. He is God over all of the plants. He is God over all mankind. He's God over all the fresh water. He drew the lines where the rivers can go. And he's God of all the oceans in the world. He holds the sea back from the land. God, not just over our world, but he's God on every planet in the galaxy, in the universe. He's God over it all. I, I read where Pastor John, Elon Musk, and Richard Branson both took privately funded trips to outer space. And when they did, when they left the earth's atmosphere, they did not escape the judicial authority of almighty God. Because not only is he God on earth, he's God in outer space. Not only is he Lord of all the earth, he's Lord of Mars and Pluto and Saturn and Jupiter. Neptune knows his name. He's, he's God over it. It all. Think, think of how busy he must be. And yet, if you whisper a prayer, that God will hear you pray. And there's never a time that we can pray that we're not interrupting his attention from something. And yet he doesn't mind being interrupted. In fact, through prayer, he invites us to interrupt him. And he's unlimited in his ability to hear. He can hear 300 million people praying at the same time without splitting his attention between any of them. He can hear a passenger in a plane whose plane is falling out of the sky in Australia while listening to a little boy praying in New York City that his mama and daddy will stop fighting. And he can give equal attention and help to both at the same time because he's a limitless God. His, his, ear, his ear never gets heavy. That's what Isaiah said in Isaiah 59.1. God said, my ear is not heavy that I cannot hear. I don't know about you, but after a while, my ear gets heavy. 
I can only take so many phone calls in a day. I can only take so much complaining in a day. I can only take so much problems in a day. I can only take so much crying in a day. Everybody seems like when they cry, they call me crying. Just crying, 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 crying. And I get enough crying and enough complaining, my ear gets heavy. But God said, my ear never gets heavy that I cannot hear. He can hear you pray. Elbow somebody in the ribs and say, he can hear you pray. Why? Why should you pray? Why should you pray? Because you're the only thing God created that he gave the ability to talk to him. The whales in all their splendor cannot offer a prayer to his ear. The lion in his majesty cannot offer a prayer to God. The angels are not allowed to interrupt him. The seraphim cannot come before him with a request. But you, with all your issues, problems, weaknesses, and sins, if you go to God in prayer, he will hear your call. Jeremiah 33, 3, God said, call to me and I will answer you and show you great and mighty things which you do not know. Jesus said, whatsoever things you desire, when you pray, believe that you have received them and you shall have them. James said, the effectual fervent prayer of a righteous person avails much. He also said, you have not because you ask not. Jesus reminded the church, if you can get any two or three people together in agreement, touching anything, any area, any mountain, anything against you. He said, if you get them in agreement and you can pray in agreement, I'll do whatever you ask. Whatsoever you ask the Father in my name, he told the disciples, that I will do. Why are you preaching this preacher? Because I want you to start praying again. I want you to start bombarding heaven with requests again. I want you to start talking to God again. Pastor, you don't know how long it's been. I don't care how long it's been. Start talking again. You don't know how flawed I am and how broken I am. Everybody's flawed and broken. Start talking to him again. God wants you to start talking to him again. I guarantee you if you'll start talking to him again, he'll start showing you things again. He'll start doing things in your life that your therapist can't do, that the medication can't do, that your friends and family can't do. You're having a lack of power because you're having a lack of prayer. God wants you to start talking to him again. And he kept you alive, kept you safe this week, brought you in here this morning to hear a message straight from his word. It's time for you to start talking to him again. The silent treatment has gone on too long. The faithlessness has gone on too long. The disappointment has gone on too long. I don't care what it's happened. It's time to start praying again. Push somebody and say, pray! Push somebody else, say, pray. Call on me. Call on me. Your father said to tell you, call on. I feel like preaching. Call on me and I will answer you. I won't send an angel. I won't send a prophet. If you call on me, I will answer you. When God answers you, it don't matter what devil's fighting you. When God answers you, it doesn't matter what the lawyer says or the doctor.
doctor says or the judge say or people say when God answers oh I need an answer I need an answer I don't want to go another week without an answer I can't make it another day without an answer somebody came in up under so much trouble up under so much fear and anxiety and you gotta have an answer call on me I I will answer you and and show prayer's not just about talking it's about showing it's about revealing it's about acting but you don't get to see the show if you don't pray the prayer so start praying again start talking to him again like you believe he's listening start talking to him again like you believe that he's got all power in his hand start talking to him again like you halfway know that with God nothing is impossible start doing what Pastor John prophesied to you start making crazy requests ridiculous requests he said I'll show you I'll show you great and mighty I'll show you great and mighty things. God wants to give this church mighty things. God wants to give this people mighty things. God wants to do mighty things in your marriage. Not my marriage, Pastor. You don't know this crazy person I'm living with. No. God wants to do mighty things in your marriage mighty things with your children, mighty things in your finances, mighty things in your business, mighty things with what you're creating and what you're producing. But you gotta ask. Look at somebody and say, ask. In our text, King David has died. Solomon, his son, has taken the throne. His first act as king is to go back to his daddy's church, to go back to the tabernacle, to go back and and do what his daddy used to do. Solomon casts aside convenient worship. You know, like staying at home and watching on the live stream when you're five minutes down the road. He casts aside convenient worship and understands daddy never took the easy way out when it came to God. And and as we progress generation to generation, we're losing some of the 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 memories that our ancestors, our grandparents, the one that carried the great revivals on their shoulders, they never took the easy way out when it came to God. They never took the convenient route when it came to God because God always has and always will honor and pay attention when you make sacrifices. And and so Solomon foregoes the opportunity to just walk up to a high place near his house and he decides to travel to Gibeah and to go to the place where where God had instructed that sacrifices be made. And when it came time to sacrifice, he looked around at all the other people that were offering. He thought about all the offerings that his daddy had given. And he thought, I'm in a mess here. I've just lost the king of my life. I've just lost my support system. The country is in danger because I really don't know what I'm doing. And now daddy's gone. And and he thinks, I'm just going to make a ridiculous offering to God. So one, one, one animal was the requirement. 
for the sin offering. You know, one animal. Uh, Ten animals would have been excessive. A hundred animals would have been ridiculous. He brings a thousand. And then he doesn't ask for anything. He goes, he sacrifices to God. He, he had been using the high places, but now he goes and he, he goes to the place where it was supposed to be done. He, he, he gets it right, you know, and he, he gives a ridiculous amount. And then he doesn't, he doesn't ask for anything. So he goes home that night and while he's in his bed, God comes down to him and says, Hey, I want you to ask me for something. Now, most of the time, prayer begins by a man approaching God. But Solomon's sacrifice so touched God and moved God that God came down to see a man. It, it, it reveals God's nature because God's nature is reciprocity. Okay? And when Solomon made that gesture and that sacrifice and didn't ask for nothing, it started bothering God. God's in heaven just itching because he didn't ask him anything. So he just goes down there and says, uh, hey. Ask me for something. Ask me for something. I, I want to do something for you. Ask me for something. And I want you to notice how Solomon responds. Because hidden inside of Solomon's response in the text is a key to prevailing prayer that will move God to move Ooh, every time. Okay. Number one. Praise is the prerequisite to powerful prayer. Look at verse 6. This is right after God said, ask me, what, what shall I give you? Verse 6, Solomon said, First uh, Kings chapter 3, verse 6, Solomon said, uh, you have shown great mercy to your servant David, my father, because he walked before you in truth in righteousness and in uprightness of heart. And you have continued this great kindness for him. You've given him a son to sit on his throne as it is this day. Solomon, Solomon starts this way. Okay. God says, I want to give you something. Solomon starts. I know you want me to ask you for something, but before I do, I just want to thank you for your mercy. Oh, this is a powerful way to start prayer. Next time you start praying, before you get to your request or asking for anything, just remind God and yourself of how merciful he's been to you. He said, he said, you were merciful to my daddy. My daddy wouldn't have been a king if it wasn't for you. 
My daddy was a shepherd on the backside of the desert, and it was your mercy that pulled him up. My daddy messed up more times than the family can count, but it was your mercy that preserved him. My daddy could have been thrown out. There were many coups that could have taken him out of office, but it was your mercy that preserved us. Not only were you merciful to my daddy, but you've been merciful to me, and I wouldn't be here if it wasn't for your mercy. I wouldn't be the king if it wasn't for your mercy. This is, this is real prayer, okay? It's not all that vain repetition stuff, you know? It, he's, he's just counting in his own real words what specifically God's mercy has done for him. Oh, that's the way you ought to pray. Jesus warned in the New Testament when you're praying not to use vain repetition. Father God, we come today, Lord God, holy God, amen, glory to God. Father God, we ask you today, Lord of God, amen, glory to God, holy God. Father God, you know why we do that is because a lot of us have learned to pray in church by other people who are already in the church, and they learn by somebody in the church, and so one person's prayer model got passed down to five generations, you know? And one person was doing the Father God and Father God and amen, glory to God and hallelujah, glory to God. Thank you, Jesus. They were doing that for real. That may have been the only words they had in their vocabulary, but, but it just got passed down, passed down, passed down, passed down, passed down. And we come in as new believers and, and we're sincere and we want to know God and we want to learn about the things of God. We want to learn how to pray and we don't know how to pray. Nobody knows how to pray when they first get saved. And so if you're not careful, you will adopt the style of communicating with God after the pattern of somebody else. And prayer should always be personal. That would be me like, that'd be like me trying to talk like Lionel talks to my wife. If I'm going to communicate with my wife, I got to use my voice, my words. If I put something else on, she is going to say, who are you trying to sound like? And some of you, God, when he's hearing you praying, he said, who are you trying to sound like? I want you. I want your voice. I want your accent. I want your words. Don't bring me what somebody else said. God can't bless who you pretend to be, and he won't bless who you copy. God wants to bless you, but that requires that you talk to him using your words, your voice, your heart, your experience. And Solomon, he just gets, he just gets real, you know, just real prayer. Real prayer is just real talking. Just real talking, like you would talk to somebody else expecting you to be real. And he says, I just got to be honest with you. It was your mercy that got us out all those times. And I tell you, it would be a great way to start your prayer. Whatever it's been in your life that you know you would not have made it through without the mercy of God, bring that up. That's what Solomon did. The accident you know you wouldn't have lived through if it wouldn't have been for the mercy of God, bring that up. The time you got drunk and can't remember how you got home, but you got home safely because of the mercy of God, bring that up. The time your children were in trouble and it looked like everything was going the wrong way, but God stepped in with his mercy and covered all of you, bring that up. 
bring up the things in your life that the mercy. Has anybody got any stories about the mercy? Anybody got any history with the mercy? Anybody's children got any experience with the mercy? It was the mercy. He said, he said, you've been merciful to my daddy. And you've been merciful to me. And I didn't want to start asking you for stuff till I just took a little time to thank you for how merciful you've been. And God, my heart's broken right now. Just lost the king of the nation. Don't know what I'm going to do. Have a lot of things that I could ask you. But before I pour out my request, I want to pour out my praise. Because I may be hurting right now, but there wouldn't be a right now if it wasn't for your mercy. See, a lot of people don't praise God because of how they feel right now. Never considering there wouldn't be a right now. You wouldn't be here right now. You wouldn't be alive right now. Wouldn't be strong right now. Wouldn't have enough faculty in your mind to have a broken heart and bad emotions if it was not. For the mercy. There's people in this room should be dead right now. Sit there, don't say nothing. Look however you want to. There's people in this room that should be dead right now. But the mercy of God. Oh, I feel it right now. I said the mercy of God. Is there anybody that knows anything about the mercy? You ought to give them a praise in the house. You ought to raise your hands, open up your mouth. In case I hadn't thanked you this week. In case I hadn't told you this week, I know it was the. You start talking about the mercy, it'll set your soul on fire. You start talking about the mercy, tears will start running down your face. You start really talking about the mercy. Not, not the mercy in general. The mercy as it specifically relates to you personally. Verse 7 now. You've been merciful, but now you made me king instead of my father. And uh, I am. You made me king instead of my, my father. Uh, but I am. I'm a little child. Point number two. Channel your inner child. In prayer. Oh God. Solomon has just been made king of the nation. He's the most powerful man in the country. But when he talks to God, he tells God, truth is, I'm just a little child. I'm just the child of my daddy's old age. I'm spoiled. He wasn't hard on me. I didn't go to all my classes. In fact, I missed the protocol classes. I don't even know how to come in or go out. I don't know what I'm doing. I'm, I'm like a little child. It's comforting to know, actually, that underneath all your titles, your roles, your responsibilities, and even your age, 
when you come to God, you're still coming like a little child. In fact, Jesus said, unless you come to me like a little child, you can't enter the kingdom of heaven. Everyone needs somewhere they can go where they can be a little child again. So when you come to God, point number two, channel your inner child. Solomon's prayer here is not full of vain repetition. He's not just talking to fill up time, okay? He's pouring out to God his real heart, and you can too. And what I want you to notice about the prayer is the transparency. Don't know how to come in, don't know how to go out. Listen, that's a very dangerous thing for a king to admit. David has just died. Everyone's hungry for power. Everyone wants a piece of the pie. And without a strong king standing up, there's going to be chaos. If Solomon would have told his cabinet and his closest advisors, guys, I'm like a little child. I don't even know how to come in and go out. They would have smiled, closed the door, and set up a coup, killed him and taken him out of office. Because you can't really be transparent, not totally transparent, with anybody but God. I know you love your spouse, but don't act like you tell them everything. Not everything. Not everything. You learned that lesson a few years ago when you said a little bit too much, revealed too much. You've been hearing about it for 10 years straight. I know you love your mom and daddy, but you don't tell them everything. I know you love your sister, your brother. You don't tell them everything. I know you love your best friend, but you don't tell them everything because we learn in life. There's only so much transparency other people can take. They'll use it against you. They'll get mad at you and manipulate you with it. They'll bring it up at the wrong times. They'll spill the beans to people you didn't want them to spill the beans to. If you do them wrong, they'll blackmail you with the information that they got. There's only so much transparency any basically wise person will give to someone else. So to some degree, we live our lives shading the weak parts of ourselves, even from the people we love, because I have to deal with my weakness anyway. I don't want you to also use it to beat me over the head and make me double weak. So we live with some degree of isolation and loneliness within ourselves because no one truly knows everything about what we think, everything about how we feel, everything about what we want, everything about how broken we are. But when you go to God, it affords you the rare opportunity to be totally and completely transparent. And people that never afford themselves of this opportunity to go to God in prayer and be totally honest and totally transparent, they slowly but surely get delusional. Because we present some sort of facade to the outside world every single day. We present some sort of facade, some sort of screening to the people around us every single day. 
And if you never have a place where you can go and drop that facade, slowly but surely you start believing your own lies about yourself and become delusional. So Solomon, he's saying dangerous stuff. Let me tell you why I don't have a prayer partner. <laughs> Ain't nobody want to talk to me today. Let me tell you why I don't have a prayer partner. Because when I pray, I say some dangerous stuff. Stuff I don't want you to hear, stuff I don't want you to know, stuff I don't want you to record and play on Facebook or on YouTube. When I pray, I'm talking about real praying. Now, I ain't got nothing wrong with corporate praying and church praying in church. I ain't got nothing wrong with praying in agreement. You need a prayer partner for that. But I'm talking about personal prayer. Your personal prayer ought to be so personal that you have to do what Jesus told you to do. Leave everybody else, go into a closet, shut the door behind you, and pray to your Father in secret. And the God that sees in secret will reward you openly. That's what the book says. feel the glory on that one my god so he gets transparent you're in need of so much therapy i've been making a lot of people mad lately about my my stances on some of this stuff and so get mad you're in need of so much of that and what you don't realize is you could do with god the same thing you do with your therapist for free. The job of the therapist, listen, and those of you that go to therapy, I'm not, I'm not, I'm not knocking you, but the job of a therapist, listen, is not to give you solutions. It's to attempt to draw the solution out of you by your own speaking to the end that you feel you had a personal breakthrough. That's the job of the therapist. That's why they want to get you talking about what hurts you, talking about what your childhood was like, talking about your relationship with your mom and your daddy and talking about all these different things. You can do the same thing in a closet talking to the creator of the universe, the one who made your mind, the one who holds your heart in his hand. You can do the same thing. So he's, he's transparent with God. And I, I, I hope you remember, I don't think you will, but I hope you remember. I started the text showing you how Solomon had violated a commandment of the law. He wasn't supposed to go sacrifice on the high places. He did it because he was lazy and he liked the convenience. So he broke a statute of the law. And yet God is sitting here having this conversation with him anyway. And one of the main things that keeps people from praying is you are so aware of your sinfulness and your brokenness and the things you don't have right. I'm telling you, pray anyway. 
broke the commandments, pray anyway. You're a mess, pray anyway. Lost your temper, pray anyway. Got high, pray anyway. Got blasted, pray anyway. Pray. And then point number three, point number three for prayer that moves God is he prioritized purpose over provision. In other words, instead of asking for provision, he prayed in alignment with his purpose. He said, God, you made me the king over all these people, and I don't know what I'm doing. You, you've called me to be something I don't know how to be. You can say the same thing to God. Because truth, truth be told, we get overwhelmed in our roles at times. God, you, you made me a mama. I don't even know how to be a mama. You made me a daddy. I, I don't even know how to be nobody's daddy. Made me a husband. I don't even know how to be a Made me a wife. I don't know how to be a wife. Gave me this job. I didn't qualify for it. And that's wonderful. And I danced in church. But now that I'm here on Monday morning, I don't know what I am doing. Could you help? What Solomon is saying, could you help me be what you called me to be? Could you help me do what you called me to do? When you pray in alignment with your purpose, you automatically pray according to the will of God. Now, there's that scripture, you know, when you're talking about prayer, there's that inconvenient scripture in James that says, if we ask anything according to his will, then he hears us. Uh, meaning that if you ask things that are not in his will, you ain't going to get it. You know, you can't ask, you can't pray and ask God to give you someone else's husband. There's been a few of y'all that have done that, sowed seeds for somebody else's husband. That ain't going to work. Come to see us and get a refund. That ain't going to work. Uh, so funny, they think I'm kidding. Uh, but when you pray about your purpose, you're automatically in alignment with the will of God. Okay? And that's what Solomon does. He says, if you want me to ask you for something, I just, can, can, you, help me, can you help me do what you asked me to do? Can you help me to do what you put me here for? Can you help me be what you've called and purposed me to do? And, and when he said that, the Bible says that the speech or the prayer, or what he said, verse 10, the speech pleased the Lord. The word pleased there in the Hebrew means moved. It means God got emotional. It, it's literally translated, he moved on the inside. You ever been, uh, you know, watching a movie and you weren't expecting it, but something in the movie happens and you just kind of start shaking on the inside. You get emotional, you know, or you, you, see, you see one of your kids you know, just say something or, or do something that really touches your heart. and You kind of start to quake on the inside. You, you, your, your breath gets trembly or, or your eyes get watery. You just, you get moved. Solomon prayed to his prayer and it, it did that to God. It moved him on the inside. 
Number one, he praised. Number two, he became a child. Number uh, two, B, he was transparent. And then number three, he prioritized purpose over provision. And it, it moved God. Most of the time, prayers move us. If we're honest. You go into prayer one way, and by the time you leave prayer, you, you've been moved. But this is a prayer. This is a model for a prayer that will move God. What does it mean to move God? There's, there's this theological concept, this word in the scripture that it uh, causes a lot of people to stumble. It's the two words and the short phrase, God repented. You'll see it five or six times in your Bible. God repented. Now, it's an anthropomorphic term. An anthropomorphic term in theology is when God uses something that you do understand to help you grasp a concept that you don't understand. For instance, when the Bible says that God covers us with his feathers does not mean that God has wings like a bird. Or when it talks about the seven eyes of God does not mean God has seven eyeballs floating around. God is taking concepts that you do understand, feathers, to explain something you don't understand, how God can cover us, all of us that belong to him at the same time. He covers us with his feathers. Uh, the eyes, seven eyes of God, how God is all-seeing. He's omniscient. He knows all things. There's nothing going on in any corner of the earth that he is unaware of. Okay. So that's anthropomorphic terms. God repented is also an anthropomorphic term. It's used to connote the idea that even though God is all-powerful, knows all, and knows what he's going to do before he does it, that occasionally God can change his mind, that he reserves the ability as God to do anything he wants to do. And there are times in the scripture where God has made a decision and it was a right decision and he was just in making the decision, but he chose to change his mind because somebody prayed. Let's look at a, let's look at a few of them. Isaiah, the prophet is instructed by the Lord to go to Hezekiah, the king, tell him, prepare your house. You're about to die. A couple of days, you're going to die. Isaiah leaves the king's throne room and is walking out of the palace. While he's walking out, Hezekiah turns his face toward the wall and begins to pray. And he prays a prayer that moves God. God spoke to Isaiah as he was walking through the courtyard, almost to the gate, said, go back up to the king and tell him I'm adding 15 years to his life. The prayer moved God. Another time God repented. Moses is dealing with the children of Israel. They had become so stubborn, so angry. They were such a complaining and, and backbiting, nasty people that God got sick of them. They tried to pick up stones and kill Moses, their pastor and their leader, because they were so frustrated. And God said, that's it. I'm done with them. I'm sending judgment. I'm going to kill them all. And I'm going to start over with you, Moses. God made the decision. It was final. God's getting ready to kill these people. And the Bible says Moses gets down in the dirt and prays and weeps until the dirt becomes mud from his tears. And when God saw Moses in the mud praying that he would not harm those people, the Bible says God repented. Uh -huh. 
he would have been right to kill those people. But Moses' prayer changed his mind and moved his heart to make another decision. Jesus and the Syrophoenician woman. While Jesus is aiming his entire ministry at the lost sheep of the house of Israel, the Jews, a Gentile woman comes to him and says, my daughter has a devil. Will you please come help? Jesus said, it's not time for that yet. Right now, I'm sent to the lost sheep of the house of Israel, and I would be unauthorized in releasing that kind of power toward these people at this time when my own children are in need. He said, I can't take the children's bread and cast it to the dogs just because the dogs are hungry. She gets down on her knees and starts worshiping him, and she prays this little prayer, Master, even the dogs get to eat the crumbs that fall from the master's table. And her prayer moved Jesus. He was walking out the door, and when he said it, when she said it, he turned around. It was a prayer that moved him. I'm telling you, no decision is ever final. That's why the Bible says men ought to always pray. You ought to always ask. Never assume something is just over. Never assume something is just done with. Never assume there's no hope. You ought to always pray. You can pray about everything because you never know. Your prayer might move, might move God. And you can pray like this prophet of God got up here in this pulpit. You thought he was just welcoming you to service and he dropped a prophetic word on you. He didn't know I was studying this this morning. You can pray ridiculous prayers. You want to know the most ridiculous prayer in the scripture? The most, it's, it's a lunatic prayer. Joshua is fighting a battle. Okay. And these people need to win this battle. Because there are some fights that if you don't end it today, I'm going to move on because I don't want to press you. There are some things that if, that if you don't end it today, you're not going to win. And Joshua senses, we got to win this thing today. But the problem is the sun is going down and they can't fight in the dark. This man offers up the most ludicrous, ridiculous, loony, stupid prayer I have ever read in the Bible. He looks up at the sun and says, God, make the sun stand still so we can win this battle. And do you know God made it happen? Go down to UTSA in the library and do your research. You'll find that they they have a missing day. The people that have gone back and, and tracked and done all this science to track the days, they have a missing day they cannot account for. You know what it was? It was Joshua's fault. He stole a day. What would you have done? Oh, the sun's going down. I guess I'm not going to get it. Pats have been preaching faith and hope, and it just don't work for me. You, I want you to think about where you're hurting in your personal life this morning. 
you have not because you ask not. And God sent me here to speak to it today. Pray. Get in your car and pray on the way home. Pray this evening. Pray tomorrow morning. Take the thing to God and pray about it. And you will see movement. If you, even if you ain't got everything going right, pray. Even if you're void of certain understanding of spiritual things and you're not even sure you figured all this out yet, pray. Talk to God, pray about the thing, and you will see movement. Stand to your feet and give the Lord a praise. Amen. 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 There's a man in a black t-shirt and you got glasses on and you're right behind the camera. Can you just raise up your hand? The Lord says to you, to the man behind the camera, uh, not, not behind the, the, yeah, that man right there, wave, yeah, that, you. The Lord says to you, he's being a help to your health even now. He's being a help to your joints, your ligaments, your blood vessels. He's being a help to your health. We speak health and healing over your life right now in the name of Jesus. We speak a release to what's been held back from you. We speak that God Almighty keeps great records. He has seen your faithfulness and heard your prayers. And we speak a release of those things even now in the name of Jesus Christ. Give the Lord some worship. Lift up your hands. Come on, lift up your hands. You deserve the glory and the Lord, we lift our hands in worship as we lift your holy name. You deserve the glory and the honor. Lord, we lift our hands in worship as we lift your holy name. For you are great, you do miracles so great. Just keep that, just keep that right there. My brother in the white shirt with your hand up, wave at me. You, yes. Uh, who's that you're standing next to? On that side? Scream at me. Okay, listen, listen. The Lord is going before you, my brother, because there's debris in your path. There's things blocking your forward advancement. Some of it has to do with your vocation. Some of it has to do with people in your life trying to hold things up and resist things that belong to you. And so we speak a release right now over your life that the Lord open that thing for you. My sister, 
the Lord hears your prayer, sees the desire of your heart. You have questioned in your mind if you have been heard. The confirmation is coming. The guarantee is coming. The things that have happened to you over the last three years have no power to cancel the purpose of God over your life. God has seen you. He has ordered your steps. He has destined your way. And as you follow after him, strength, strength, not weakness, not brokenness, not following the same patterns as people that have walked before you in life, but strength is the destination in the name of Jesus. We give you that word from the Lord in the name of Jesus, in the name of Jesus. Can you lift up your hands one more time? I just feel like worshiping the Lord. You deserve the glory. Yes, you do. And the honor. As we lift your holy holding a baby and you got a blue dress on yeah yeah that's you that's you I don't know what, what it is the Lord says to tell you he's proud of you that he loves you and that the things that were designed to shatter you he is using to make you stronger he says to tell you that you will not fall apart and that you will not crack. The thing that you're worried about will come to absolutely nothing. The thing you've been thinking about, the thing that's been hitting your mind, the Lord says, I will make it come to nothing. The blessing of the Lord be upon you and your family. The strength of God be upon your house. The peace of God invade the rooms where you abide. The love of God holds you together. And the faith of God, may it make you a champion. The Lord's wiping timidity away from you like you wipe off a dirty counter.
He's wiping timidity off and a boldness is coming from the inside. A confidence, a surety, an assurance is coming to your life. We release this blessing over you in the name of Jesus. We speak that God will do it. We speak that God will see to it and perform it and make it happen in Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. Brian, God's going to bless you again. He's 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 going to bless you again. More than before, he's going to bless you again. More than before, he's going to bless you again. Ricky, you still are what he called you the first time. That first encounter you had with God and you felt that calling drop on you. You felt that mantle drop on you. You felt that weight drop on you. Some of the creativity and the brilliance of your mind, some of the speed that your life operates with, it's not even you. God gave it to you because it matches up with your purpose and your calling. One of the reasons the enemy has fought you so fiercely in your life, you've had to deal with things no normal person has had to deal with because you are not normal. You're special and you're called by God and there is greatness in you. All of your life, you'll have to live with a sword in your hand to fight off the enemy, not because you're weak, but because you are powerful and you are mighty and Satan attacks what he fears. The calling is still good. What you heard the first time, you weren't wrong. What you felt the first time, you weren't wrong. Now, there's been a lot of life to live since then. There's been a lot of stuff happened since then, but you weren't wrong. And because you got the calling and because God dropped that on you, that's why no weapon that's been formed against you to this point, and there's been a lot of them formed. You've come through some dangerous waters, my brother. You've come through some threatening circumstances, my brother, but none of them have worked. Why? It's the same reason that the crocodiles couldn't eat Moses as he was floating in the Nile River. It's the same reason why there's something special inside of you. Go back to the first thing. Go back to Gibeon. Go back to what God spoke to you the first time. You will see it happen in Jesus' name. 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 Frank, the Lord's restoring your strength, renewing your strength like the eagle. He's renewing your strength like the eagle. Every morning when you wake up, Lord, thank you for renewing my strength like the eagle. In the middle of the afternoon, thank you, Lord, for renewing my strength like the eagle. When you lay down at night, thank you, Lord, for renewing my strength like the eagle. The Lord is renewing your strength. We speak that over your life in the name of Jesus. 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 I speak the blessing of the Lord over each and every single one of you today. There is no weakness. There is no frailty in our faith in this house. We will dare to believe God for great things. We will dare to put our hope and our trust in God. And we will dare to pray prayers that sound ridiculous. Because we know that when we speak to our God, he hears us and his attention alone is a blessing. His attention alone is a blessing. Father, I pray the word I preach today will sit in the soul and the hearts of your people, that it will begin to 
bear fruit in their spirit and lead to actions and lead to changes in their lives. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Listen, if you have an offering that you would like to give to the Lord, you can prepare that now. There's an envelope in front of your seat, or you can take out your phone and text to give. If you're watching online and you would like to give an offering or sow a seed, that would be appropriate at this time. Lord, we thank you that you're a God that sees sacrifice. When Solomon sacrificed, you came down to see about him. And we know that sacrifice is never wasted on you, that you always pay attention to sacrifice. So Lord, as the people who are giving today prepare their sacrifice, we don't have to give this to you. We're giving this to you because we want to. As you see their sacrifice, Lord, I pray you'll come see about their situation. I pray you'll come visit them with your presence in a special way. And I pray that you will bless them mightily. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. You can come and give your seed. We love you so much. Don't miss Wednesday night if you can. It's going to be amazing. Try to be here. We love you so much. The blessing of the Lord be upon you.